Welcome to Ruin a Bad Guy's Day radio podcast with fraud expert Skip Myers. This is your guide to fighting fraud and chargebacks. Learn the best fraud prevention solutions and strategies. How to enhance your fraud prevention team. And how to prosecute criminals. Now, here's your host, Skip Myers. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Runa Bad Guys Day Radio. Hey, I'm Skip Myers, and I'm your host today for Runa Bad Guys Day Radio. Hey, first off, I want to start off and thank everyone who continues to support the program, and especially all of you who keep sending in all those great emails and feedback. I really appreciate it. Hey, we have a great show lined up this week, including a very, very special guest that helps you fight frosters through enhanced training and awareness through a better understanding of cybersecurity and internal audit controls. But first, as always, I have some great news and updates involving very stupid criminals. So this just in from ABC 13 KTRK TV in Houston, Texas, busted bumbling burglars butt dial 911 while robbing a local Houston Best Buy store. Unbelievable. You can't make this stuff up. Looks like three stooges couldn't have scripted this uh, any better. Police say they busted these bumbling burglars after they butt dialed 911 while robbing a local Best Buy just outside of Houston. The 911 call came in around 3 a.m. from a cell phone, police told the news crew, but there was nothing but background noise when the call came in. The police decided to ping the phone and saw that the call was actually coming from a local Best Buy in Sugarland, which is a Houston suburb, just as the burglar alarm was coming in from that exact same store, the police said. You know, sometimes it's just meant to be to bust the bad guys. How stupid could they be? You had to bring your cell phone, huh, to this robbery. Unbelievable. Anyways, they somehow butt-dialed 911, according to police, and then the PD put everything together and determined that these two incidents were occurring at the same time. So officers were already en route to that alarm call when they got the other 911 call that was butt-dialed. You know, I can't imagine the look on those bad guys when the cops pulled up in the parking lot and said, how do they figure this out? Not knowing that one of their buddies butt-dialed 911. Unbelievable. So laden with all the stolen goods, the thieves fled in a stolen pickup truck and led the cops on a 40-minute high-speed chase with speeds reaching over 120 miles an hour, according to the news crew. Search uh, revealed laptops and other electronics stashed in the trunk, the police said. Two of the three men were picked up nearby the location of the truck when the other bad guy bailed, and he is still being hunted by police. You know, uh, we love stupid bad guy stories here at Rent a Bad Guys Day Radio, and every day when we work together and collaborate and partner, we can really ruin a bad guy's day, especially when they help us by butt dialing. 911. So, hey, as promised, Runa Bad Guys Day Radio will be featuring some of the top fraud fighters in the industry in 2019. And today and this week is no exception. So, today, I'm especially excited to introduce to you Matt Christensen. Matt's with Audit Lock Consultancy and Frog not fraud.com. Matt is transforming the anti fraud CPE or continuing education and professional development for fraud fighters. So, Hey, Matt, how are you doing? I'm so glad you could join us today. How are you doing? Skip, I'm just, <laughs> your whole story about butt dialing and the whole time, like, I'm on mute, all right? I hope I'm not laughing too hard. <laughs> I was hoping you were laughing. I was laughing. I was, it was hard to control that. I read that story like six times, 
preparing for this and I'm trying to imagine the whole thing. Dude, you know, I don't know. The- you got to take your phone to, you know, this big crime. You're masterminded and you, <laughs> you, I don't know. What are you Instagramming your friends when, when you're doing this? It's great. Oh man, you can't make it up. I love yeah. it. But Skip, thanks so much for having me, man. I'm excited and honored to be here. Oh, I'm honored too. I, it's, you know, we built a relationship over the last several months and we both share a lot of the same ideas and passion for building awareness and creating that higher leg- education level for all those great fraud fighters and fraud practitioners out there always trying to get a little bit of a leg up on the bad guys. And, you know, one thing I was, uh, you know, pre-podcast uh, review, I, I just have to ask, you know, how did you come up with the name for your company, especially fraudnotfrog.com? I just love that. That's awesome. You know, it goes back over a decade ago when I um, when I first started telling people that I was a fraud investigator, I would have a series of conversations. I thought I was doing a great job selling what I was doing. Usually it was against, you know, it was strangers or people sitting next to me on a plane. And I'd go into this elaborate discussion of how I prevent and detect fraud. And finally, they'd look at me with this puzzled face like, okay, I understand prevention, but how many frogs are there? in businesses that you go into. And so it just became one of those things where I'm like, okay, it's, it is fraud, not frog. So that was kind of the, the main thing. That's the tagline for the website. That's that hilarious. Prevent, prevent and detect fraud, not frogs. So you're not into amphibians as others would think. <laughs> you know, herpetology never was a strength of mine. So no. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, so you got an extensive background and a lot of great con- uh, credentials. Can, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about your background and how you got into this business? Yeah, happy to. You know, and I don't claim to, to know everything there is about it, but, but I have had, I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of good experiences. It all started with trying to just break into the industry. I, I literally applied for over 50 jobs and I could not get in. Everyone required experience to get experience. And I just couldn't get in. And so finally, I found a company that was willing to take me on as a cybersecurity consultant, which I thought was a little ironic because I had no experience, but that was the title as a junior cybersecurity consultant, <laughs> an, ama- an amazing company that gave me amazing opportunities to travel the world and, and find and actually build a fraud program. So I was able to do that. We, we did it for large fortune companies and then throughout my career, I've been able to help establish and build and mature other fraud and cybersecurity programs. That's awesome. Yeah, you, you talked about some of the first steps you took, but what, what were some of the, the things that you think that really got you that first job, job to get started you know, in cybersecurity and cybersecurity consulting? So it was one of those situations where I had to go above and beyond. Um, I was competing against, you know, hundreds of other people in my state at the same time for the few jobs that existed. Jobs in cybersecurity then weren't, they didn't flourish like they do now. In fact, there's more demand than inventory now, today, 10, 12 years later. So the few that actually happened, you, you had to fight for. And I went to a an after hours mentoring event, the things that most college students are like, yeah, I'm not going to that. I listened to this this speech that to be honest to this day was probably one of the worst 
presentations I'd ever been to. But afterwards, I went to the, the presenter and just asked the question, can I, how can I break into this industry? Do you know of any opportunities? And while he didn't give the most stellar presentation, he was connected and he's like, oh, I know of an internship. Let me send you over to that. Give me your resume. And literally within three weeks, I had a job. So after trying to do what everyone else had done, apply, apply, not even get an interview, just reject letter after reject letter. It took me getting out of my shell and just, you know, approaching someone and just saying, this is what I'm looking for. Do you know of an opportunity? And literally within three weeks, I had the job. Yeah, I think that's always the difference maker. I mean, it's resumes get lost in the crowd. You know, you, you have to show people that you're unique, you know, that Matt has a different look on a different perspective of looking at things from not always a traditional perspective. And when you do that, you set yourself apart from everybody else that's, you know, doing this job like they just read it out of a book. Yeah. And even Skip, even right after I got the job, I quickly realized on this, you know, I think there were seven or eight of us on that team that supported, you know, over a hundred thousand employees. I, I realized quick, I've got to differentiate myself or I'm going to die. I mean, I, exactly. I literally... The best thing I could do is bring them coffee and ramen noodles. And, it was, <laughs> and so I said, how can I, how can I add a skill set or grow a skill set that can make me valuable to this company to where they're going to want to keep me and move it from an internship to a full-time gig, which is exactly what happened um, after just a few months. And so, yeah, I took the initiative to find something that what I believed uh, didn't exist at the time, find a skill set. And that's where I researched this certification called a certified fraud examiner. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I scrolled through it. And I'm like, man, this is exactly what I wanted to do. I don't know if you knew this, but I actually wanted to do law enforcement and then go into federal. And it just, my life didn't take me down that course, which I'm super grateful. Things wouldn't have turned out the way that they did uh, had I gone that route. But I always wanted to be kind of in that investigative space. So I found this this designation called Certified Fraud Examiners, acfe.com, and just said, this is exactly what I need personally, but more than that, what this company needs uh, to help further and mature their cyber program. So I took it to our to my boss, the chief information security officer at the time, and I said, hey, what do you think about this? And, you know, he took a chance on me, and I'm grateful to that to this day. He took a chance on me, realized that we could use that to further the business, and we actually built a process that landed us multi, multi-million dollar contracts. It was a really, wow. really cool thing. It's awesome. Hey, hey, everyone. Hey, thanks for tuning in. If you're just now tuning in, uh, we're speaking with Matt Christensen with Audit Law Consultancy and frognotfraud.com. And right now, if you're just tuning in, we're really diving deep into how Matt is really transforming anti-fraud CPEs or continuing education and professional development for fraud fighters. And it's so important. And, you know, Matt, this is a great conversation because a lot of us in this industry, so often we get caught up in just focusing on investigations and the fraud losses and really bad guys, but really staying ahead of the bad guys really comes from continual education. I mean, really building those skills to fight the bad guys. So what, what do you really think? How can we leverage some existing skill sets for those who are really looking to break into this anti-fraud industry? You know, what, what's some of the things you think are most important? I appreciate that question. I, it is a tough industry to break into but it's an even tougher industry to stay competitive. So it's not one, and that's why I love it so much. It's so dynamic. It's so fluid. You can't just rest on prior experience. You always have to be getting better at what you do. Um, investigators that have 30 and 40 years experience, uh, 
man, they have a ton of value, but where what I'm seeing is they're lacking in how fraud is committed now today and how it will be committed in the future. And so that's one of my main missions is helping people get quality education that's modern, that's relevant, that's not the boring slide deck that everyone just, you know, exactly. wants, wants to die listening to, but it's bullet points, bullet points. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, give me the deck. I can read the deck, but yes, what I can't read is your experience. So I focus on finding people who are passionate about sharing their experience. Um, you know, the truth is how fraud was committed uh, 30 and 40 years ago doesn't vary too much now. It's the same frauds happening. They're just doing it a different way. And so you have to detect it a different way. So man, anyone that I can talk to that's got 30, 40 years experience, even 20, I I gravitate to them and I try and pull from them their experience and then and then get them to share it in a way that perhaps is different than they've done before. Like I said, not through a PowerPoint, but through a live video presentation or through an online training that that is interactive through uh, group forums, through Facebook groups, just the ability in, in live sessions, of course, but just to get them in front of other investigators, other people who are trying to sharpen their craft. It's just been an absolute passion of mine. I think the other question you asked is, you know, how how do you break into this industry and how do you use how do you use your existing skill sets? So I'm a huge believer you don't have to come from military or law enforcement to be a fraud examiner. Now if you have that, you do have an upper edge in some ways. But I've talked to people who have been fast food workers. Uh, construction workers, an oceanographer. I talked to someone who's an oceanographer that ended up becoming, yeah, a fraud examiner. They can dive deep into fraud. (laughs) Dude. Man, you That's can't awesome. you can't plan this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, but it's it's true. There, in every industry of every every company of every size, you're going to find people who will steal from you, and that's mm-hmm. the message that I that I'm here to advocate. That I'm partnering with amazing people and peers and colleagues like you is that if we just talk about it, we can grow that expansion. We can let people know, man, this could happen in my business. You know, just. A week or two ago, I was talking with a company doing some consulting work. They, a small firm, they'd never heard of the term business email compromise. Now, I know your listeners are smart. They know what BEC is, but we talked through it. We found exactly what had happened. They had an email compromise. They had another email set up as an auto forward, and the bad guy took took advantage of that, learned exactly when payroll Wednesday was, and right before payroll Wednesday said, hey, boss, I need you to change the account number, route all the payroll to this number, and $80,000 later, they, they wow. were down. That's awesome. So that's just one of the things. You're right, though. I am passionate about not taking the standard training approach to get continuing education. It should be fun. You're, you know, you're ap- absolutely right. And I was, I was really listening hard at uh, what you were saying about, you know, people that have former law enforcement experience, uh, uh, me included. But, you know, you're abs- I've been in this line of work for a long time. If you don't stay current, if you don't evolve your mindset and really get ahead of the bad guys through education and training, going to conferences, networking and partnering and, you know, breaking down silos and trying to learn as much as you can, you're, you're going to be left behind, you know, and, and the other point you have, which I really, really like is that you don't have to be a former investigator, law enforcement, military or whatever to, to really do this work. And, you know, we're talking about situational skills and critical thinking and really being able to understand suspicious transactions if it's online and really having that mindset to identify trends and commonalities 
and how they integrate or subjugate your operational processes that are causing the loss. So it's, it's you got to have a rounded mindset and background to do this job. You do, you know, beyond not being complacent um, and beyond always wanting to grow and learn, you do have to have that mindset of, of really wanting to dig in. There's been very little fraud that I've ever found or I've ever detected by just getting lucky. I mean, it, it does happen to it. I'm sure over your career, there have been those cases. Well, like the one that you mentioned at the get-go, like law enforcement got real lucky that the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the guys brought, yeah, yeah, they decided to butt dial and give their exact triangulated position of where they are. It, it does happen, but my experience is it's few and far between. You really have to be willing to ask why right. and to dig into it and to not form your own theory and just go for it, but exactly. to really be objective, independent in, in that um, thinking so that, you know, you don't just become biased and here's exactly what happened. And usually when that happens, you end up being wrong. That's exactly right. And I'm, I'm still old school taught by some of my mentors long ago, but the easy way out is, is follow the obvious evidence, follow the obvious bad guy who committed this particular crime. That's the easy way out. The harder way, and sometimes in the end, more rewarding way is you just follow the trail of evidence and let it take you no matter where it takes you. And sometimes it takes you in directions, as you know, to places you've never been before. So that suspect you thought of at first was your target. It's not even close because you did the honest thing by following the, the evidence and let it take you wherever it may go. Yeah. You know, there was a number of years ago, I was overseas um, doing an investigation. We thought technically we could prove how what was occurring was occurring. And this was a big fraud, definitely in the millions. And the fact is the technology couldn't prove it, but it came down to honing in on the right people to ask the, the right questions to. It's something that should have been way early on uh, just got skipped and they put too much emphasis. We put too much emphasis on letting technology prove how it happened. Talk about going old school, man, we we pulled out a conference room and we started interviewing and it was through the interviewing that mm -hmm. we then were able to find who was, you know, actually allegedly, but then proven to have committed the fraud. And so, yeah, you like, I love what you're saying. You have to really just chase it and follow it. And that's, in my experience, that's been the, where you get the best results. Yeah. As far as I know, there, there is not a fraud solution in a box, a cybersecurity package that, that can sit down uh, with suspects or even internal employees to really get down to the root cause of a problem. You know, that again, that's all da data driven and it's still based on human interaction to analyze that data. But the real, the real meat of an investigation really starts like this, what you said, sitting down and talking to people. I love that. So, so let's go on a little bit more. So, you know, we know that cybersecurity controls and internal audit controls are not mutually exclusive and rather they, they do support each other. But a lot of times we treat these two lines of businesses separately when they do come together. And wow, how much more powerful could it be if we converge those two mindsets together, break down the silos and increase collaboration? Be wonderful to see what really could be possible if more organizations did that. Yeah. And again, something, Skip, I'm super passionate about. Um, through my career and through consulting, I've been able to work with very large organizations. And one of the more obvious things that I've seen is the, like you said, the silos that occur, the stovepipes that occur where independent departments can find a subset of their own fraud, but they not utilizing the same tools are ignoring other fraud that 
that's committed. So, you know, in cybersecurity, organizations may really be really good at preventing and detecting hackers or or external threats. Internal audit may work with other business units or lines of business that are, are good at finding timekeeping theft or things like that. But rare is it that I've seen more in consulting than any prior employer, but rare is it that I've seen these departments collaborate to join forces to say, here's technologies we have, let's work together and let's partner together. You know, the fact is, I think while cybercrime is a huge threat to most large organizations, the insider threats, malicious and accidentals are probably greater Mm -hmm. um, and more common and maybe don't equate to the same amount that a data breach would in terms of dollars or impact, but frequency, insider threats by far are more common. You have thousands of employees, you will have a subset of them that will steal from you. I always say, if you have humans, you have fraud. And so if you can work together and get leadership to support saying, okay, we're not going to go out there and campaign that all our all our employees are bad people and dishonest are going to steal from us. But if they just accept that there will be a small subset, regardless of the background checks, regardless of the internal controls, that will take advantage of, this, of situations and will ultimately steal. Exactly. And so if you can get these, it's usually the department heads that struggle with, no, that's my territory, or no, we just don't get into that. That's this other department's responsibility. But if you can get together, and and this is what I've done in prior organizations, and build kind of a responsibility chart, a RACI that says, "Here's, here's who's responsible, here's who's accountable, here's who needs to stay informed. If you can build that chart, then you line up all the different departments that are involved. You're going to have IT. You're going to have internal audit. You're going to have legal. There there absolutely will have to be HR. There might be sub-departments as well that are responsible for all playing a part in in that internal fraud pro, uh, program. And so that's that's one thing that I uh, advocate. And anyway, I'm always looking for organizations that have done that to learn from, see how they've been successful and see where they maybe could do better. You're absolutely right. Bringing all those departments together, sometimes in one room, you know, a lot of us and others sometimes don't always realize, you know, people from those other departments, you know, we, we have complementary skill sets and we don't even realize it. You know, there's, there's other people out there that have critical thinking skills and situational skills. Heck, they may even have investigative skills and that ability to connect the dots and advocates that really see the bigger picture for the company or your organization. And they really want to get out of their own silo and work with people just like you. So unless you go talk to them, you don't know that they actually exist or actually they have the mindset to actually be a part of that fraud prevention team. Uh, and that's how you build value for yourself in your department, I believe, for the whole organization. You know, there's a lot of statistics that say that that organizations lose close to 5% of their revenues to fraud. And and I haven't seen that in the organizations that I've been fortunate of working for. It's been much, much, much smaller. But say it's only 1%. I mean, even if you have 1% loss in your large company, that's a big deal. Even if you're a small company, 1% can be a significant hit. That could put you out of business if you don't have enough capital to come up with the loss. And so, yeah, I think it's one of those things that you just, you have to be aware of that fraud's going to happen. Now, how can we do something about it? What I've seen too often, Skip, is especially in smaller businesses, you've got guys that go, you know, I've never had that happen to me. I've had the same staff for Mm -hmm. 15 years. No way would it ever happen. And they could be right. They could go their whole career, but their peer or, you know, a partner or someone else that they know, it's going to happen to them. And that is 
is the number one thing that I hear people say is, I never once in a million years would have thought this could have happened in my business. Exactly. So regardless of your size, you've got to, as a business owner, as leaders in a business, you have to be willing to accept that there will be people in your company that make bad decisions, whether they're good people that had good intentions that just got in a bind and made a bad choice, or whether they deliberately work their way into your organization to then take advantage of an opportunity and and steal something from you. I do feel like in more cases than not, Skip, it's the the former. It's the person who doesn't have a background, a criminal background. It's the person who whose kid gets diagnosed with a medical treatment. They only they're looking for a thousand dollars to cover, and they want to pay it back. And then it generally snowballs from there. That seems to be more of what I see than like a malicious insider. But but regardless, to get back, you've got to get leadership aligned and to agree, and then you have to formalize it. It is not an easy task by any means. No, it's- to to get leadership to align and agree and to build policy guidelines procedures uh sows you you or sops uh, standard operating procedures you have to get leadership to align at the top to say this is a priority we're going to support it it's going to take time to build and mature but we're we're committed to it and it says a lot to your employee base when you say we're committed to this Exactly. You know, we say a lot on this radio show that uh, you should be the voice of your own initiative. I mean, if you see something going on, it's your obligation to say something about it or work with those in your organization or even outside your organization to make it better. I mean, if you don't, the consequences could be severe. And, you know, Matt, you're exactly right. Some of the biggest cases I've ever had in my 30 years doing this line of work are usually from those people you least expect. And in, and you're right, there's a mindset out there. Well, it's never happened to me. You know, we do criminal backgrounds. No one steals from us. Or we got all these extra controls and fraud solution providers on our back end. Bad guys can't penetrate our network. You know, that lackadaisical mindset will surely get you into deep trouble. And the bad guys will always find a way to outsmart you. They will. You know, one of my favorite movies, Skip, is uh, Robert Redford's show, late 80s uh, sneakers. I, I don't know if that's one you're familiar with, but it, that one, <laughs> that one's honestly, I remember. I can't remember. I was eight or nine when I saw it for the first time. And I thought that that's my career there. And and the premise is they get paid to break in to companies to show companies how they would, other people would break in, right? Find those vulnerabilities that you Mm -hmm. just mentioned. It doesn't matter how many controls you have. There generally is another way to break in. So it really does come back to, do you have a workforce that's willing to speak up when they see something that doesn't look right? Because chances are you're going to have someone evade an administrative control, a technical control, surveillance. You're going to have people that can get around that. So at the end of the day, it will, in many cases, depend on do you have a workforce that's willing to say something when when they see something? And that's that's an we do say that a lot in our community, right? Say something, see something. But that's the truth. The key that I think most businesses miss is they implement a fraud hotline and they move on and they don't get any calls. They don't get any calls. And then they get blindsided and say, well, what what happened? We had a hotline. Why didn't why didn't our employees call? And the, the differentiator there of organizations that get employees to call versus ones that just implement a hotline as a checkbox is they, they instill in the employees the trust that they need to make that call. I've talked to hundreds of whistleblowers, hundreds of people who have been the first person to, to make that call. And every time 
there's a common thread, there's a common denominator. And that was, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I really didn't want to, I felt obligated to. And at that point that they felt obligated, the only thing that allowed them to make that call was that they felt safe. They right. felt that, that leadership would actually take action on it. And, and they removed that fear of, you know, am I going to be able to stay anonymous or not? Mm-hmm. And can I, can I speak up without having retaliation? So if leaders can do that, if they can implement a way, an approach, it doesn't have to be a hotline. It could be, you know, send an anonymous email or, I mean, there's a million ways you can get tips without providing, while providing, excuse me, while providing anonymity. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's my biggest thing is leaders have to find a way to tell their employee base, uh, we care about what you see. We trust you. If you ever see anything that looks bad or suspicious or you're just questioning it, here's how you contact us. If you want to remain anonymous, here's how you do it. They've got to put that trust in people or they're going to lose every time. Exactly. And that, that's where this training and awareness and ongoing education is so important because so often you said it just perfectly. Uh, department implements a, a fraud hotline. We checked off the box hey, boss, we're all good. Uh, Our employees can call if they see something wrong, but never analyze, well, hey, Skip, how many calls are we getting in last month? Uh, Well, uh, we didn't get any calls. You know, not diving into, well, why aren't you getting any calls? You know, that, to your point, that there's other issues within that organization that have not created that environment where the employees feel like, you know, they can trust the organization to phone in that call or feel like they won't be, you know, sought after as the whistleblower for, for, you know, highlighting something that's going wrong within the organization. So there's other things in play, but unless you have that training awareness and sharing ideas with other departments, that fraud hotline will never get a call. Yeah. yeah I've talked to a number of organizations before where that is a key, a key indicator that I'll ask them is how many calls have you had in the last six months? And too often I hear we haven't had calls in six years. So yeah, there is that awareness factor. And you know, Skip, it is a hard, it's a hard thing to do. It's so easy to say, implement a hotline, let people know they're safe, and then go back to work. That is a hard thing to do that does take training. It does take expertise. Um, you know, think about a, a young startup company that's got 100, 150 employees. Chances are, if they have an HR department, there's one person and it's probably the CEO. Mm-hmm. It's it, when, when you have a situation like that, it's really, you can really ruin culture and really encourage distrust among your employee base. If you just throw out a, a tip line and say, we're going to catch you if you steal from us. That, that's not what it is. So it does take the right approach to, to do it the right way. And, and so does training your employees. And, and that's one thing that we focus on at fraudnotfrog.com is how can we provide quality training to, to people that will make a difference, not just give them kind of like checking a box to having a tip line. Mm-hmm. We don't just provide training that checks a box so you get your CE credit. In fact, one of the things that we look for when we do a live webinar or when we launch an online course or we do a, a live training is what's the feedback that we're getting our people saying and, and asking, when's your next event? When can we sign up? And that gauges how we're doing. If we aren't getting that, then, you know, maybe we aren't giving the best training, which exactly. we've done before just to be candid. But, but when we get feedback, like, man, can you bring that person back or can you deep dive and do one step further in your next course or whatever? If we're getting that type of feedback, now we know we're, we're hitting the mark and we're offering some 
something that you just can't get elsewhere. Awesome. Yeah, that's great news. You know, Matt, I know you're so you know, passionate about changing the way we get that CPE training, that professional development training and credit for it. You know, that training should be fun. And as you said before, entertaining, and it should, you know, last a long time. It, it should have an impact, you know, months and years down the road, you know, and what's so hard is really developing a training program that sticks. And I love what you said on your website, you know, that, that there is a better way to do traditional training. And that's what you're relentless to change and that you're doing it right now. But what other ways, how are you trying to really do this and provide a greater vision on how we're getting training for all these great fraud practitioners out there? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Skip. And honestly, that's the make or break for our company. I, I feel like we can be different in a number of ways. First is uh, getting quality speakers, people who have quality experience. I'm perfectly comfortable if the person isn't the best presenter if the content's there, right? I think people care less about, oh, he's got a monotone voice or he seems dry. If the <laughs> if the content's good and it's teaching them how to be a better fraud investigator or a fraud examiner or internal auditor, they're going to stick around and they're going to want more. And so I, mm-hmm. I do look for engaging people, but I also find people who have relevant experience. These aren't theoretical discussions on how fraud could be found. It's real discussions on how fraud actually was found. Uh, Another way, Skip, is we focus on prevention. It's so much less expensive if you can prevent the fraud than having to actually go through the loss, investigating it, implementing more controls uh, to then have it happen again. So prevention is one of the key components that we focus on. Good point. And another way, Skip, is we we don't believe in the traditional way of receiving online education. We take it a, a number of steps further. For example, we offer online courses where people can come and take it at their pace. If they're on, it's train while you're on the train. It's another one of our um, sayings. Hmm. They can be on their mobile phone listening. They can view video. They can stop. They can pause. Uh, If they're driving, they can just do audio only. They're getting trained while they're going home. That's one of the things that I enjoy doing the most is on a commute, I enjoy furthering my knowledge. And so I'll I'll pop on a you know a podcast like yours or uh, download some CE or CPE content and listen to that while I drive. You have to cater to how people are wanting to learn today. A number of people will comment to us that they'll take trainings while they're at the gym. Right. Now that that wouldn't be my thing. I need a release. I need no music or a very specific music to work out to. But for some people, that's their release, and so we've made it very mobile friendly. And then at the end of it, uh, you know, we'll issue a quiz or something to certify that they've listened to, and then provide to them the opportunity to engage and interact with the presenter or with us. Give us that feedback. Let us know what they need more of. Uh, engage directly with the presenter so that they can say, hey, uh, I want to bring you into our company. So it's just, that's the approach that we're taking. We're not just, what you see on our website, and it's being developed more and more every day, more and more content was being added. But what you're seeing and what you will see is not what you can find elsewhere. It's it's not expensive CPE that you just end up multitasking during the entire training. No, that's great news. It's CPE that if you are multitasking, you're going to stop what you're doing and you're going to actually engage and watch and listen and take notes and want to come back time after time to listen to again. That is so important. And you're right. Some of, uh, a lot of our listeners here on Runa Bad Guys Day Radio tell me all the time the best time that they like to listen to this podcast is their commute on the way into work. They're maximizing every minute of the day so they're trying to get a little bit further ahead 
with some of that education and hints from people just like you. But that commute, why waste your commute uh, listening to Britney Spears? I mean, listen to Matt or Run a Bad Guy's Day Radio. I mean, for God's sake, that's great stuff. So unless you, well, of course, a lot of people like Britney Spears. But we'll, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. If she's listening. This isn't a personal attack. Yes, against that's right. You. I'm sure she, she's probably a good fraud fighter somewhere. Um, hey, Matt. Hey, so thanks so much. You know, those of you who've been listening, we've been talking to Matt Christensen with Audit Lock Consultancy and FrogNotFraud.com. He's transforming the anti-fraud CPE and continuing education program and personal development for fraud fighters. You know, Matt, it's been great talking fraud with you and training and personal development with you today. Do you have any final thoughts or uh, takeaways for our listeners? I think the takeaways would be if you're listening to this show you likely already are someone like skip and i you want to just be better right and and the the hope is that through this radio show through the podcast through skip and i's websites hopefully you're able to look at it and say i okay that's one takeaway i got now i'm going to go actually do something about it so my takeaway is hopefully your listeners are able to grab even one thing from the show to then make them better or one thing from this show to make someone else better. And that's the key. That's how we're going to win against these bad guys is, is exactly. collaborating, is working together, not being so uh, holding it to the vest, right? Um, right. Self, selfishly progressing in your career while not helping selfishly help others progress in their career. Hopefully that alone would be it. But, you know, this, again, this is one of the best industries to be in regardless of your background. If if you're listening to this while you're driving a truck or working fast food or on the construction site or on a ship somewhere and you're really anxious to change your career to go a different path, check out Fraud Examination. Find the resources, acfe.com. You know, Skip and I, we don't receive any type of compensation. We don't have formal affiliations with things like no. that. Look at becoming a, a, a PI in your area. Maybe that's your thing. But look at this as an opportunity to say, if you're looking for career change or you want to further your career, this is a great space to be in. And, you know, podcasts like Skip's, podcasts like mine, Fraud Not Frog, you're going to find lots of people who are willing to share what they know and help you just jump, start leapfrog into your career. You don't have to get 10 years of experience before you could land a first client. Um, so that, that would be my takeaway, Skip, is to encourage your listeners to continue learning, continue getting better at their craft, and especially helping other people get better as well. Matt, thank you so much. You know, a takeaway to listening to you today has been a pleasure. You know, finding those mentors like yourself or surrounding yourself with, you know, like-minded thinking people that can help further your career, further your knowledge and background so we can all fight the bad guys at a much higher level. If you don't attend conferences in your industry of cybersecurity, fraud prevention, you know, whatever it may be, you know, get with your boss or, you know, budget for those conferences. You know, I can't recommend enough the time that you can go to those conferences and network with people just like Matt. To learn a little bit more about the industry, find out a little bit more about that personal development and training that is so important to take your knowledge and abilities to the next level to ruin a bad guy's day. And at any time, feel free 
to contact Matt or I at any time for additional advice. So Matt, thanks again so much for your time and great advice. And hey, everyone, I'll have all of Matt's contact information, fraud. See, it's a tongue twister, right? It's frog, not fraud. <laughs> I said this a hundred times where I, I rehearse this. Frog, not fraud.com. What a great site, great information, all kinds of training and other white paper and blog information there for you guys to really develop your knowledge and background on how to fight fraudsters. So all this information and contact information for Matt. As always, I'll listen to podcast notes with links to his website. Matt Christensen is on LinkedIn. Great way to contact him there and develop you know, a bigger network with like-minded people. So as always, everyone, I can't thank you enough. Please subscribe to and like Rune Bad Guys Day Radio on Apple iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, and other free download services. We really appreciate your feedback and continued support. Hey, thanks again and stay tuned for another episode from Rune Bad Guys Day Radio. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening to Ruin a Bad Guy's Day radio podcast with Skip Myers. If you liked our show, please tell your friends and colleagues. You can learn more about us at ruinabadguysday.com or visit us on Twitter and Facebook at Ruin a Bad Guy's Day. Join us for another episode of Ruin a Bad Guy's Day radio podcast. The information provided in Ruin a Bad Guy's Day radio podcast is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. You should consult with legal counsel or other professionals to determine what may be best for your individual or organizational needs.